Genesis 19. Let's get there. If you don't have a Bible, look off the real Christian next to you that bought, brought theirs along and uh, follow along here. Genesis 19, starting with verse 24. Let's back up and start with 23. Then the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife, Lot's wife, looked back and became a pillar of salt. You're going to find out something today that you may have never even given any thought to. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the land of the plain. And behold, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and saved Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Father, take the few words that we will speak here this morning, and I am praying, Lord, that they will penetrate the spirit, the soul, and the life of the people that's sitting here. In Jesus' name, amen. Before it rains, we must pour. A few years back, Kay and myself was in going through Madison, going through Wisconsin, and we stayed in Madison, Wisconsin. And across the street, there was a stadium that I found out how many, I'm, I got to know things like this, but uh, I found out from the person working in a hotel how many it held. And I think she said it held 15,000 people. And there were, there were people flooding into that place. And from, there were people from our hotel where we were staying that when I went into the lobby to check in, I mean, I'm thinking, now something's up here because the guys and the gals were all dressed just super duper. And they were all heading out that place. They was all giggling and smiling and they was heading across the street and they was going over to that. It was like a big assembly hall, like, the, like where Illinois plays. It was a huge place like that. And uh, I said, what's going on over there? And she said, uh, Jeff Dunham. Is that his name, the comedian guy? Jeff Dunham is in town. Oh, everybody's just going over. It's just so great. It's so great. And from my window, you could see the people. They was, and this is the thought that I had. They all look alike. They was all kind of yuppie looking, and they all dressed alike, and, and they just had to, uh, everybody just like a cookie-cutter deal as they was going over to watch this guy. And I don't know if it was super night out for the comedian or he was going to be over the, uh, it was going to be a glitz and glitter night or what, but they wasn't no blue jeans anywhere. I don't know what the deal up with that. Here's what I thought of just last week. There's a lot of different people that attend Orchardville Church. And you heard this term before, diversity. There's a lot of diversity at Orchardville Church. Thank God everybody don't look alike. Thank God you don't look like the preacher. I wouldn't wish my hairdo on anybody. I wouldn't wish my teeth on anybody. I wouldn't wish my physical appearance on anybody. Now, 
there are a few things I wish some, some of you had, and that's determination and, and my, like we already mentioned about true grit, some true grit about you. But I am thanking God that we are not at Orchardville Church cookie-cutter Christians and everybody looks exactly alike. And everybody's talking alike and thinking alike. Listen, if you've got three people in a room and all three agree on everything, two of them people ain't necessary. Thank God that we all bring different things to the table and I think that is a good thing. But one thing that Jesus has called us all to be, every one of us, youngest, oldest, middle-aged, wealthy, not so wealthy, whatever the scenario and situation in your life, God has called us to be salt. And we will see in this message that salt does some really crazy things and some really valuable things. The man that drove up to the little country store and he gets out and he walks in and this guy has salt in this store. Nothing but salt. All the shelves have salt. There is, there is sea salt. There is table salt. There's rock salt. There's kosher salt, there is coarse salt, there is finishing salt, there is gray salt. Everywhere you look, there's salt. And he tells the store owner, you must sell a lot of salt. And the guy says, so far I ain't sold any. But that guy that came through here last week, he sure could sell it. <laughs> I think that's a hilarious joke. Just do. And what I'd like to get every person here today realizing that there is an important value that the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us concerning salt. The yearly production of all salt in the world, 187 million tons. I got to have salt. I got to have salt, and when I go over at mom, she hides the salt shaker, but I will be diligent until I find it. I've got to have salt because salt adds flavor to your life. There's a lot of people that go through life, they get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home at night, they go to bed, they get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home at night, they go to bed. There is absolutely no flavor in their life. And Jesus said that we are to be the salt of the earth. It's what we're to be. And what we as Christians ought to do is add flavor to everything that we're doing in life. Oh, I don't want to be a Christian. That guy's, look at him. That guy's a sad sack. He ain't got nothing good to say about anybody. And if that's what being saved about, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm telling you, some Christians have drove more people away from God than they've ever drove them to God. That's, that's too bad. In the meal offering in the Old Testament, salt was used. Leaven was not used. 
Leaven corrupts. Salt preserves. In the book of Numbers, we have a covenant of salt. Where two men that was going to have an agreement, and everybody back then carried a salt pouch to where they could reach in and get a few pieces of salt. And what that agreement would be was this thing is binding because what we would do, I would reach into Joe's pouch and sprinkle some of his salt in mine. He would reach in mine and sprinkle some salt in his. They would mix that up and then would say, this covenant that we have made is binding until I can reach in and pick my grains of salt out of his pouch and he can do the same out of mine. That's an impossibility. So that was a binding covenant. The Greeks had this in their philosophy. Don't trespass against the salt. The Arabic had this as a saying. There is salt between us. Abraham in Genesis 19 is on the mountain. He is praying for Lot. Because Lot is living in a wicked city, and here's the crux of this message. Lot, if he had been salt, the city could have been spared. Lot, if he had added flavor to that city, the city could have been spared. But he did not. God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. I love that verse. And let me interject something in here and make this personal. God remembers Jesus and saves Mark. Because Jesus is praying, Abraham was praying, and, was, and Lot was spared. Jesus is praying, and I am spared. And God said to Abraham, I'm looking for righteous people. If there are 50 righteous, I will not spare it. And Abraham said, oh, Lord, what if there's 45? I won't, I won't, I will go ahead and spare it. I won't destroy it. What if there's 40? I won't. What if there's 30? What if there's 20? And you want to say, Abraham, you're bargaining with God here. And he gets to where it's 10. If there is 10 righteous, I will spare the city. God was telling Abraham, Abraham, I'm looking for 10 pieces of salt. That which will add flavor, that which will preserve the nation. Lot, if you have done your job, there will be 10 pieces of salt. Let me just turn this on, on our ear because we as Christians want to wash our hands of everything and just say, well, it's just going to hell in a handbasket. It wasn't the Sodomites that was the determining factor. It was Lot. That's who God's holding responsible here. It's not the Hollywood crowd that's the determining factor. It's Lot, i.e., you and me. It's not the politicians that's the determining factor. It's Lot, you and me. It's up to us to add flavor and preserve. And God was looking for 10 righteous. I don't know what the number is in America. But I do know this, that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And God wants to save us and preserve us as a nation. But church, we can't sit idly by and do nothing. We need to be proactive in this thing. How many remembers here? 
and I know this side of the crowd won't, but how many remembers when it rains, it pours? You remember that with the salt commercial? When it rains, it pours. Well, before it rains, we need to pour. Before judgment, we need to do our part. Again, we cannot, we cannot sit idly by, and the reason why is because I love America. I love the Constitution of the United States. I love the Bill of Rights. I love the flag. I love what this nation stands for. I love the Grand Canyon. I love the Rocky Mountains. I love the Mississippi River. I love the rolling hills of Missouri. I love Lincoln Memorial. I love the Statue of Liberty. I love this nation. And again, if the idea is that we sit by and as long as we go to church and never say anything outside these walls, woe be to us. <clears throat> God looked at Lot to be the one. God saying, Lot, if you had done your part, your people and the people of your city would be converted. Salt creates, here you're going to add in the, what it is. How many went to a ba uh, basketball game and, and bought popcorn at the ball game? Salt creates first. I don't know if them teeny boppers there behind that counter have been told that or whatever, but boy, they're just, they're, they're adding on the, here, here, have some popcorn. Man, where's the soda at? Salt creates thirst. I want my life to be able to create thirst for the things of God in someone else. I love this term. If we will be winsome, it very well could be we could win some. Now look up the word winsome when you get home. Salt is a sustainer of life. Seawater will support more organisms than fresh water. It's a sustainer of life. Salt prevents decay. Salt will also kill. Let me confess. Confession's good for the soul. As a little kid, I'd get some salt and I'd find these little slugs And pour some salt on them slugs. Boy, they just do a number, you know, until they just shriveled up into nothing. Salt kills. Give you a scripture in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There will be some things that salt can do away with in your life. In 1925, the worst winter storm that ever hit Alaska hit. Nothing like it before that. There's been nothing like it since. The passageway were covered over with 40, hear me, feet of snow. 
60 below zero. I'm not one of these cold weather people. <laughs> I just hate to be cold. I can't imagine what that'd be like. And in Nome, Alaska, which was 700 miles north of Anchorage, there was an outbreak of diphtheria. Every child that would get it, it was 100% fatal. Every adult that would get it, it was 90% fatal. They have used up the amount of vaccine they had real fast. And now they've put it out on the wires that we need vaccine, we need help. And actually this thing went around the world because the world knew about what was going on in Nome, Alaska. It's too cold and the passageways are no way that a train can get through. They think about, what, about flying it, too cold. Planes can't go. The blizzards are too bad. They then come up with the idea of taking a musher was the one that, that, come, that come up with this idea, a guy by the last name of Olson, that we will start in Anchorage and we will get the vaccine to Nome. And they will go 25 mile stretches. So they, told, they got this information out on the wire and now they set it up to where it started in Anchorage and they would go 25 miles and their mushing team was there and they would take the vaccine and they would go to the next leg of the journey. What we know today as the Iditarod is in honor of what those men did back in 1925. And they reenact that and it takes weeks for them to do that, these men did it in five and a half days under circumstances far worse than anything that's been tried since. The President of the United States put out a call of prayer and the Queen of England put out a call of prayer. And Charlie Olson got everybody, all these mushers involved that he knew that lived in certain stages along the way. They was telegraphed. They knew what they was to do. They knew what time that they was supposed to be there. And people was telling, lining up to tell Mr. Olson, this can't be done. And he said, I already know that. But people are praying. People are praying. And he started out on that first leg of that journey, or a man started out on the first leg of that journey, and they was loaded down with the vaccine, and they would go 25 miles, and it would take a long time for that expanse to be able to be covered. And then it was a fresh team and a fresh driver, and in five and a half days and nights, they're now within 67 miles with the vaccine. Charlie Olson is now given the vaccine and him and his dogs take off and they get within 67 miles and now he passes it off to his oldest friend he's got in the world, Gunnar Kaysen, hard-boiled guy. And Gunnar Kaysen and his dogs with Balto in the lead, his lead black husky dog, as they take off 
and they get, they get to the 25 miles that they're journeying, and they get there, and lo and behold, the man that's the last leg of the race is asleep. It's going to take too long to get the dogs fed, to get the dogs harnessed, to get the dogs ready, so he just continues on. Gunnar Kaysen continues on. Olson said this in being interviewed. The most courageous words I've ever heard in my life was when I handed that vaccine off to Gunnar Kaysen. And he said, Hup! Hup! Balto! Hup! And said within just a few yards, I couldn't see him, but the wind was bringing that voice back. Hup! And he gets to that station, the last station, and that man's asleep. He assesses what's going on. And those dogs have curled up around each other to where they, this is it. This is all that they can go. Hup! Hup! And Balto gets up. And those other dogs get up. Hup! And here they take off. And they finally get to Nome, Alaska. Gunnar Kaysen becomes a hero. He's given the Congressional Medal of Honor. I think maybe the second civilian ever be given that behind Bill Hickok. New York City, Central Park. Statue of Balto, that black husky dog. And it says, when his master said, Hup. He went. And in being interviewed, Gunnar Kaysen, they said, how, how was you able to do that? And he said, before Hup can be here, and he pointed to his mouth, Hup has got to be in here, and he pointed to his heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But here's the crux of it. Gunnar Kaysen, why did you do what you did? He said, I had grandkids that lived in Nome and they had diphtheria. I had what they needed. Church, it's not good enough for us to come to church on Sunday morning and think that's all there is. We have what this world needs. And it's another, not a philosophy and it's not what this culture has to offer. I'd hate to think that I was built upon what Lindsay Lohan's doing this week. I'd hate to think I was built upon the culture of this world. I'm built upon the sincere word of God and we have what this world needs. Last night, getting ready to leave mom's and my niece had went out before me and she came back in and said, Grandma, there's ice on your step. And Mom said, I've got salt for that. And I thought then, salt can keep you from slipping. Keep you from falling down. I'm not a sad sack. And I'm not a doomsday guy. 
But there's been nations greater than ours that's went by the wayside. All nations that forget God go by the wayside. I want to, as a church, I want us to do our part in winning people to Jesus. Say, well, what can we do? If we win who we're supposed to win, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Anybody here any time at all has heard me tell this story, but the businessman in Australia, that as his custom was, would get up early every morning and jog. And that morning as he's jogging along the coastline, he sees something that's very strange way in the distance. And it's a little boy that's picking up something and throwing it into the ocean just as fast as he can. And as the man jogs and he gets up to where the boy is, it's tens of thousands of starfish. It's happened for thousands of years as the, as the ocean would drag these up, put them on the shore, and then before the night was over, that ocean with the next big wave would grab them and take them all back down to the depths of the sea. A big wave never happened. And now there are tens of thousands of these starfish littered across the shoreline and upon that sandy beach. And this boy knows, having lived there all of his life, the sun comes out and hits these, they're all going to die. And just as fast as he can, he's throwing them back in. And that businessman tells him, boy, boy, there's no use. There are thousands of them. The sun's coming out. There's no use. It won't make a difference. And that kid stopped just for a moment to say it. He takes that starfish, and he looks at that man, and he looks at that starfish, and he says, sir, It'll make a difference to this one. He threw it back in. He just kept throwing them in. It'll make a difference to the ones we do reach. Thank God. Thank God. It made a difference for me. It'll make a difference to the ones we do reach. Let's all stand. (laughs) Father, on this communion Sunday, I'd ask and pray, Lord, for every Christian person that's here today God, I am praying, Lord, that they would renew that commitment. They would allow the searchlight of heaven to be upon their soul. And, Lord, we would do what your word tells us in the New Testament, that we would take an inventory of where we're at in this Christian life, this Christian experience. Father, for someone here this morning that has never, ever said yes to you as Savior in their life, knowing that you can forgive them of sin, I pray, God, that you deal with that heart today and God let them know you as a Savior with open arms extend your grace, your forgiveness to them. In Jesus' name, amen. My only hope The reason I can stand Comes from the blood that flows from nail-pierced hands. I will not fear, for you will never change. Bow at the cross. Cross that bears your 
our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.